Hello and welcome to the Community Vault, where we discuss unlocking financial equity and justice with Community Works. Today, I'm honored to be joined by the Executive Director of United Ministries, Lizzie Beber. Um, Lizzie has been with United Ministries for a couple years now, and um, we thought that she would be the perfect guest to join us during Financial Literacy Month, as that work is very prevalent um, in United Ministries. Um, United Ministries serves and empowers those on the transformative journey to self-sufficiency. Their vision is a community working together to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to thrive in Greenville. And they do this through a variety of programs with a focus on education and economic mobility, crisis assistance, and homeless services. So Lizzie, welcome. We're so excited to have you. Um, Before we dive into this topic, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us your introduction, how you ended up as the Executive Director of United Ministries. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. I am a big fan of Community Works, and uh, we love partnering with you all and the ways that you serve the community, especially the people that come to us for services. Um, So just to know that uh, in many ways you all... Um, are working alongside us um, in this in this larger work in Greenville. Um, I came to Greenville in April of 2020, and uh, that was right as the pandemic was unfolding. Um, but really, my journey to Greenville uh, was at least a year prior. Um, my husband and I and our children lived in Washington D.C. Um, at, starting in 2008, and. Uh, Wound up both, my husband and I both worked at a medical respite facility for men experiencing homelessness who also had an acute medical need. Um, and so we uh, both found ourselves over the years uh, working there, and then eventually I became the executive director. It's called Christ House and located in Adams Morgan in the heart of DC. Uh, we loved uh, where we were living and working, and uh, but then as our children got a little bit older, and really as, as we got older, um, we began to hold the question of what would it look like to move back to the South, uh, which is where we're both from. He's from North Carolina, and I'm from Mississippi, and so we uh, really felt called. I don't know another way to say it, uh, but felt called back to a culture and a people that we love. Uh, doing work that's focused on justice uh, for marginalized communities. And so we began to look at different mid-sized cities in the South where we might imagine our family living, and uh, Greenville came on the map, specifically United Ministries. I learned that the current, or at that time, the current executive director would be retiring, and so um, I reached out to the, the search committee and began a conversation with them, and I guess the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I came to visit and just loved what I saw. I also felt that uh, Greenville was in the midst at that point, and, and still is, I think, in a really critical time of defining itself for the future mm-hmm. and who will be a part of the community mm-hmm. and what that community will look like. So. Absolutely. Yeah, well, we're so glad that that life brought you to Greenville and to United Ministries. And I shared a little bit about you guys' mission, but could you tell us in your own words what United Ministries is for those who might not be familiar? Sure. 
So United Ministries is a social services nonprofit on the west side of Greenville. So uh, we have a building that's at Peterson and Vargery Streets, and then the other two build- buildings are on Pendleton Street. And mm-hmm. um, we've been in the community for 52 years, starting off 52 years ago in 1970. Uh, a group of uh, faith communities came together to provide rent, utility, and food assistance. Um, later, the organization evolved to serving unhoused adults with uh, basic needs during the day, such as uh, laundry, bathrooms, and showers, and then case management came later um, at the Place of Hope. And then our really our, our mission has evolved to focus on longer-term economic mobility goals. So that includes a drop-in GED program for adult learners, It includes what is now called Striving to Thrive, which is an economic mobility coaching program Mm -hmm. that includes financial coaching. Um, And then the Interfaith Hospitality Network, which provides emergency shelter and interim housing for families who have experienced homelessness. Awesome. Awesome. So we're focusing on financial literacy during April and... Um, when we were thinking about this topic, our financial wellness coach, Idris, was like, you've got to talk to United Ministries, and Idris wrote a blog about financial literacy for this month, and she shared that literacy is defined as the capacity to communicate effectively, to be able to hear and understand, to use language and its symbols to make sense. And then financial literacy, one step further, is similar, involving the language of finance so that a person can competently function independently in society. Um, how do you see, I know that you guys have a big focus on sufficient or self-sufficiency for you know, your participants. Um, how do you see the importance of financial literacy in your work at United Ministries? And even if you want to you know, define it in your own words. Sure. I think financial literacy in the lives of the participants that we work with is critical. And this is something that as United Ministries has evolved, we have come to both uh, appreciate but also dedicate resources. In the last four years, we've brought on two full-time staff members who serve uh, really as financial coaches. One is the financial manager and the other is the financial coach. And they work alongside a team um, both with Striving to Thrive as well as our GED and IHN programs uh, that are serving individuals who are working on long-term goals of self-sufficiency. So that financial piece is critical. Mm -hmm. I will say that um, one of our learnings in the last few years through some national best practices and research, particularly in our work um, with Empath, which is an organization out of Boston, Economic Mobility Pathways, We've learned that both financial and psychological self-sufficiency is important for long-term economic mobility. Mm. And so that's looking at really the whole person. So Mm -hmm. what does it take to be able to afford the life that you're imagining? Um, What does it look like to afford to care for your family and the basic needs Um, and then to build from there? And then knowing that for persons who have lived in poverty, Mm -hmm. uh, many of them who've lived in generational poverty, that poverty taxes the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. there's there's really what researchers call a bandwidth tax Mm -hmm. 
on the brain of those who have lived in poverty. And so not just acknowledging that, but also providing the resources to support individuals as they work on those long-term goals Mm -hmm. is just as important. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we've even seen that exasperated in the past couple of years with COVID. Um, So much of how we learn about finances is kind of shaped from our backgrounds and how we grew up. Um, How do you see the participants at at United Ministries learning about finances? Where does their knowledge kind of come from? Well, I I think that's probably um, an answer that's as different as the person you're talking to. Um, Everybody's story is a little different. Um, Some of it really comes down to the access people have or have not had to resources as well as just education. Um, So I can remember uh, my husband and I bought our first house several years ago. And it really was a family affair. Mm-hmm. Um, our, you know, his parents and my parents all pitched in to make sure that we had the down payment that mm-hmm. we needed. Um, if those resources aren't in place, um, then where does the money come from? And even just knowing where to find the best interest rates or whatever the resources are that are needed, whether they're physical financial resources or the the education and access to that. Um, So I think it really does vary. Um, When participants come to us, specifically at the Puckett Center for Economic Mobility, Mm -hmm. which is where three of our our five programs are housed, um, one of the first things that we find out about is some of that history. Uh, They're really base level, but we want to know where are people coming from, um, where do we start, Mm -hmm. and then then we go from there. So what are some things that you don't commonly think about um, that participants at United Ministries have, have taught you about finances and, and have your, has your perspective been challenged? Absolutely. Um, well, I, I would first and foremost say that the participants, so many of them who we have the privilege of working with, are some of the most courageous and resilient mm-hmm. people that I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, financially speaking, I think many of them have learned to take a dollar and stretch it further mm-hmm. than most of us would say a dollar is worth these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they're they're creative, they're um, they're stubborn, <laughs> they um, they don't give up. Yeah. Um, so I think those are a couple qualities that I really admire. Um, some of them just have not had the fortune of um, being educated. Um, some of them have never had anybody walk them through a budget. Yeah. Um, and some of them have not had someone in their lives to warn them of the dangers of some of the systems um, that prey on the lives mm-hmm. of people living in poverty. And if, if I can just jump to it, yeah. just um, knowing that both of our agencies have really put our stakes in the ground around um, advocating for an interest rate cap in the state of South Carolina, knowing that not having that cap is detrimental um, to progress, especially for those who um, would be taking advantage of these loans um, that are well over 36%. Right. <laughs> Um, and so really the education that comes um, and knowing what the alternatives are. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because a lot of times when people are in a, a desperate situation, you know, there's not, like you were saying, there's not bandwidth to to think through the decisions that are being made. 
Lizzie, you were talking about how United Ministries is focused on serving the whole person, not just one targeted thing. And so if somebody comes to you and enters into one of your programs, maybe financial wellness, coaching, um, can you talk about how they then could benefit from other services that United Ministries has? Absolutely. Um, so let's say a participant calls our Striving to Thrive uh, intake line and talks with a staff member, learns that um, that they are a good candidate um, mm-hmm. for that program, and so they come in for their initial visit. And in that time, the staff member brings out something called the bridge. Um, and this is, it, it literally looks like a bridge. Actually, it looks like the Liberty Bridge. It's a little sketch cool. um, to bring our, our Greenville yeah. uh, presence um, into that. And there are different goals on that bridge. And we asked the participant to, to look at that list. It's an extensive list. Um, and to really identify where they are currently and where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is something that's a tool that will be pulled out many times mm-hmm. over the course of the relationship. Um, we estimate that uh, this work of true economic mobility, especially if somebody's starting with us, let's say, uh, this living under the poverty line in Greenville County, we, we think, um, based on national research and practices, that it takes anywhere from two to three, maybe in the upwards of five years, mm-hmm. to achieve some of the longer-term goals, such as homeownership. Mm-hmm. And so, when talking about what other ways could we serve the whole person, so somebody has come in, identified um, a financial goal, begins to meet with their financial coach, and in that time realizes that getting a GED mm-hmm. would offer them one more way to achieve those goals uh, for the next two to three years because education is such an important piece of that process for mm-hmm. many people. Um, oftentimes we learn that people are not stably housed, uh, especially if they've been living in that poverty line mm-hmm. area of their income. Um, And so uh, whether it be connecting them with one of our partners, we have a number of participants over the years who have uh, made their way into um, qualifications for Habitat for Humanity. Um, They are a wonderful partner of ours, and we like to think that we uh, support a wonderful situation for participants to make that Mm -hmm. transition. Um, Also with Homes of Hope, Mm -hmm. Um, and so looking at both rental and home ownership goals. Um, But there are sometimes folks who um, aren't that far along, and uh, we had a participant not long ago who came um, actually to our GED program, and we learned that she and her children were living in her car. Mm. Um, And this was during the pandemic, and uh, who could blame her for... Uh, what she had experienced and and doing the best that she could for her children, but we were able to transition her into our emergency shelter program, Mm -hmm. and now she's living in one of our interim houses and working on those long-term goals. So everybody's story is different. Um, Those are some common themes. Um, Often there's a lot going on, um, and certainly uh, we have areas where we're working with participants, and then we partner um, with folks such as you all mm-hmm. um, in areas um, that, that we don't provide. Absolutely. 
of the 4,000 people we serve at United Ministries each year, over 90% of them initially engage with us while living below the poverty line in Greenville County. And so for a family of four, based on national statistics, for a family of four with two children under 18, that's an annual income of less than $27,000 a year. Well, and speaking about Greenville specifically, um, I wanted to mention that United Ministries recently hosted your your annual Uniting for Change luncheon, which was incredible, Um, and it featured the keynote speaker, Brian Stevenson, who's the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, a human rights organization focused on helping the poor, incarcerated, and condemned. He's also the author of Just Mercy, which many of the listeners may be familiar with, um, which was turned into a film recently. Um, Thank you so much, first of all, for hosting this event. I know that it was really powerful for the Community Works team, um, but I know that, you know, there were a lot of people in the room. And so I wanted to know, from your perspective, how do you hope that Brian's message falls on Greenville's ears? Ah, That's a great question. Um, I think the, the, the initial hope that I had would be that people would listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that I think is so powerful about Stevenson's message, anytime you hear him speak, is that he provides very difficult data, um, difficult to hear, mm-hmm. um, sometimes realities that we as a country have not wanted to to admit or listen to and he couples that with a sense of hope and I don't know many spaces in our world that offer both mm-hmm. um, so that that was first and foremost my desire would be that that people would listen um, also I was deeply moved by the way that he spoke to our community here in Greenville as well as the state of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. He offered personal stories as a black man about his first visit to South Carolina, and um, it was not positive. Um, But he also called us to being better. He called us to opportunities and reminders of the value of getting proximate to one another as fellow human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when I think about our work at United Ministries, I think one of one of the hallmarks of our work is that we want everyone who comes through our doors, whether that's a participant, a volunteer, a donor, a staff member, we want them to feel that they belong. And I think about Stevenson's message and the shared humanity that we all have with each other. Mm -hmm. And when we start there as our baseline, I think the way we interact with one another, the way we think about one another can be different. Mm -hmm. And so there's power in that. And I think as a community, we can listen and learn from that wisdom um, and be able to serve our community um, and care for each other. As you mentioned, Community Works and United Ministries have overlapping missions of financial equity, which recently has translated into us advocating for a 36% rate cap on loans in South Carolina. Um, Can you tell us from your experience at United Ministries how predatory lending perpetuates poverty in South Carolina? Sure. Well, as you said and as you know, many of the participants that we work with fall prey to these predatory lenders. And uh, that looks like things like title loans and auto loans and payday loans. 
And over the last two to three years, United Ministries has become even more aware of just how detrimental these are in the lives of so many of our participants. So, for example, between June 2019 and June 2020, we had 665 individuals who were working towards self-sufficiency outcomes in our database. Mm -hmm. And of those 665, 527 had credit reports pulled where we could see the additional high-cost loan information. Mm -hmm. And of those individuals, 129 had either active high-cost lender loans, charged off high-cost lender loans, or collections from high-cost lenders, which is almost 25% when we pulled the credit reports. Of that, Virginia, 62.8% of those people were African-American. And the sum of the collection on these high-cost loans was over $450,000. So when I think about the people that we're working with and the lives that they show up with when they come to, to work with us, Um, I know two things. One, that these predatory loans are real Mm -hmm. in the lives of the people um, that we're serving and that these loans prey on the lives of people in poverty. And particularly, African Americans are disproportionately represented. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to pay more attention to that and do more to, um, to really make a difference in those numbers. Absolutely. And and following examples set by other states, it's not like this is unprecedented. We've seen we've seen successful rate caps in neighboring states like Georgia and North Carolina. So um, I encourage listeners to go to caprate.sc.com, which I can also put in the show notes uh, to learn more about how you can help advocate uh, for this 36 percent rate cap. Um, How can people who are inspired by the work of United Ministries get involved? Well, we love to meet new people, and um, they certainly can always go to our website. So if you Mm -hmm. have a way of sharing that, um, it's united-ministries.org. We also would be glad, I think, sometimes just having a chance to come and take a tour. Mm -hmm. And as my grandmother would say, laying eyes on a place um, and getting to meet the people who do the work as well as where the work is done. Uh, it can be very helpful um, in just imagining um, what happens day to day. We also have lots of volunteer opportunities and would love to engage community members in that. Absolutely, yes. I will put all of that information in the show notes so that people can easily find out how to get more involved and follow along with the work that United Ministries is doing. Um, and we just really appreciate you guys and as a fellow, you know, nonprofit, uh, the work that you're doing and the ways that you're helping us get proximate to the issues that that we see in Greenville. So thank you so much, Lizzie, for being here today. Thank you for